What's up and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It's episode 41. There's no shenanigans. There's no, you know, episode dedicated to this player that played for the Edmonton Oilers. Sean, we're fucking here to do business, buddy. We have made the playoffs. We are playing LA again, and I'm fucking stoked. Oh my God. It's it's this time of year, man. The snow starts melting. It gets a little bit... It's. I can't imagine how we got through spring and stuff without playoff hockey because this is the best like feeling in the world, especially like just the the starting point of playoffs. Honestly, it feels like like obviously the season just ended, but like the fact that playoffs start right away gets me so excited because mm. we don't even yeah. have any lull to sit here and like build up. We have what two days off and then we're right in it. <laughs> yeah i i know it, it kind of sucked that it we had to sit through this weekend like sitting there on saturday not having anything to watch was kind of weird but yeah all i wanted I to do so... was reach out to all my buddies and be like hey let's watch the hockey game today and it's like there's no <laughs> game yet though fuck yeah yeah totally totally well we'll, we'll dive right into things uh a bunch of stuff we want to talk about but we're gonna we're gonna focus on this this series against the kings and what's coming up first because i mean it I'm chomping at the bit for the games to start, and I'm, I'm sure you are, and I'm sure everybody listening uh, is as well. Uh, but uh, just some housekeeping stuff uh, we wanted to bring up. Make sure you guys go give us a follow on YouTube and Twitter at Crude Oil Podcast. Uh, we're very interactive. Like if you put stuff and you send us stuff, we're going to talk about it on here. And and uh, if you want to send questions, if you have comments, if you, like feel free to send us a, a DM on Twitter. We'll bring it up. Um, this is this is where everyone's getting excited for hockey. So uh, it's just it's fun to interact with everybody listening and and uh, just just keeping this Oilers train moving. Um, with that sure. being said, yeah. With that being said, Sean and I uh, we're gonna ramp up the uh, the schedule here. We're we're aiming to record the day after every two games. So uh, in this case with the King series, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday for the first four games. So we'll be recording after game two like Thursday in time uh in time for the game on Friday so you have some some content to to feel you till those 8 p.m starts hey man that this was my biggest concern about playing against LA were the 8 p.m starts and for anybody who never saw <laughs> we might as well just jump right into it we Let's they go. scheduled the first four games so we're playing tomorrow Monday at 8 p.m and then Wednesday 8 p.m Friday 8 p.m and then Sunday at least we get 7 p.m yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a break on Sunday, but still it's, uh, and the thing is too, like any of these games go to overtime, you automatically have like at least 30 minutes booked into your schedule to, you know, flood and intermission and shit like that. Right. So it's, uh, it's going to make for a busy week. I'm definitely going to be tired all week, but I'm sure it'll be well worth it. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into it. The Edmonton Oilers and the Kings facing off, uh, for the second straight, uh, playoffs uh they split the season uh season record the two and two uh la took the first two games obviously in the season in edmonton uh recently uh with those those two wins uh, end of march early april so uh let, let's dive into the comparison between these two teams uh, i want to focus i know edmonton had the season that they had but um one thing that kind of stood out to me is i was looking i i Included in our, our show notes here, uh, the lineup that the Edmonton Oilers uh, had in, going into game six against LA. And just looking at the bottom six, it was Archibald, McLeod, Pugliarvi, Fogel, Ryan, Cassian. 
And then looking, everyone knows the D that we had last year. Um, Edmonton's really improved, but I think that's what's getting like kind of under, you know, under overshadowed, undershadowed. <laughs> Not enough people are paying attention to how much improvement the LA Kings have had. Well, I think that's, it's not, I'm not afraid of how much improvement they have, but it's something to keep note of. Like the big additions to their lineup essentially are Drew Doughty because he's healthy. Um, they have Corpus Allo in goal instead of Jonathan Quick. They have Kevin Fiala, who has had a fantastic year after they picked him up. Um, now I'm trying to remember everybody. They have another year of Gabe Velarde as he's come along further in his career. By Byfield's a year older and much better. Um, and then all of, overall, just some of the younger players have come in and they are just much better than they were. And I think Victor Arvidsson is also healthy this year. He was out last year as well. Yeah, yeah, that was the one I was going to mention. And then obviously the acquisition of Gavrikov too kind of solidifies that back end. Yeah, you can't forget about Gavrikov. That's one thing, like a lot of people in Edmonton, for example, there was talk about Edmonton trading for him, obviously. Um, but his stats in Columbus, his underlying statistics were awful. He was one of the worst defensemen in the NHL. But since he's yeah. come to LA, his statistics are some of the best defensive statistics in the NHL. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely a worry. It's definitely a worry heading into uh, the postseason. But I mean, it, it's it's no different than some of the teams that Edmonton's played against. Like, uh, it's it's just a challenge that you have to go up. The Oilers have gotten better as well. Like, we cannot deny that fact. Well, the additions of pretty much just echo by himself has been insurmountably like the best pickup we've had dare I say since Chris Pronger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so taking a look at the stats comparison, obviously we mentioned the, uh, the uh, two, two split season record. Uh, we've got the kind of comparison of stats up on our side uh, out of, out of everything that you've got, Sean, like what is the thing that stands out to you the most? Well, I think the biggest thing, obviously it's not, it depends on who you ask. It's not that important playoffs per some people, but then statistics show that there's more penalties called in the playoffs, but it's special teams, specifically yeah. the power play, which I think Edmonton will have this advantage over everybody. Um, them having a 32.4% power play compared to LA's 25.3%. Um, but it's important to note that LA is actually quite high up in the power play statistics in the NHL. Like Toronto is second with 26%. So LA is not that far behind. So they're probably, I don't have it in front of me, probably in the top 10, I assume. So, but Edmonton's power play percentage is just unreal. And then yeah. we also walk into PK as well, where we have a 77% compared to LA's 75.8%. So we have the advantage on them there. And that PK percentage of ours, at least, is severely weighed down by the first half of the season compared to the second half. Yeah. I saw something wild like the Edmonton Oilers have outscored the, like, on the PK, their opponents like six to three in the last like I don't know how many different attempts. Well, the net PK or yeah, the net PK percentage. So essentially, if Edmonton deducts the goals that they've scored also on the PK, like from their goals against, at least I think that's probably how the PK percentage should be calculated. Because if you're scoring <laughs> on the penalty kill, it kind of nets out to zero if they go and score. Right. So, like, yeah. they would easily be, I think, top 10 in PK percentage in the league if they had that. Currently, I believe they're kind of middle of the pack, which, honestly, like I mentioned, considering how badly they sucked at the beginning <laughs> of the year, I think they were, like, 
as low as 28th in the league in PK percentage. Yeah. The fact that they made it all the way up to, I believe it is like seven. No, they made it to 20th. So that's not as high as I hoped, but it's still pretty average, which I'm okay with considering how elite our power play is. Well, it's funny you bring that up because when you leverage like how Edmonton's doing and you look at like, for instance, like goals against even Edmonton was near the bottom last year. And even getting to the middle of the pack is such a huge improvement for this team because you've got the fucking horse that is the the offensive side of this this club. Like it it's something that I don't think the Oilers have to be the best at. Well, yeah, especially considering their their offense. They don't need to be world beaters and goals against. They don't need to be the Boston Bruins. It doesn't make a huge difference in terms of games when if you win them five to four versus five to one, as long as you're winning the game, that's all that really matters. And they're grossly outscoring their competition in games. And they've proven that they can play at low scoring games as well. You just have Mm. to score more goals than the other team. That's the most important part. And I think they truly began to understand that. Yeah. Um, One thing I wanted to bring up that's uh, a big difference uh, as well uh, in this series versus um, last year. But we have a complete overhaul of the goalie situation. Like, absolute from top to bottom. Yeah, that's true. There's no goalie who played in last year's matchup, is there? It was Smith Kotskanen versus Quick and Peterson. I can't remember which one actually started. And now we have Skidder and Campbell versus Corpusallo and Copley. Yeah. So based off of that, who do you think has like who do you think has the the upper hand in the in the net? Well, when it comes to goalie, I want to say just based off recency bias alone, I feel like Edmonton has to have the advantage because of how well Skinner has played lately. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of potential to play well in the playoffs, I think out of all the goalies in this series, Corpus has shown that he is capable of like playing out of his fucking mind because he did it to, I believe it was Toronto the one year where they lost to Columbus in the first round. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So like if Corpus can channel his, like uh, versus Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending, then we might have something to worry about in the goaltending department. But to be fair, ever since that playoff series, Corpus Allo has been fairly lackluster. And I think that's part of the reason Edmonton never ended up trading for him in the first place. But mm. yeah, he, I would give it to Edmonton. But in terms of potential to get goalied, I would say LA probably has the advantage in that. But I would take the more consistent goaltender versus the streaky uh, might be able to shut you out goalie. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with all those sentiments. Like I I'm kind of worried to see what kind of goaltending LA gets. Uh, obviously, uh, Todd McClellan hasn't confirmed which goaltender starting. Uh, I would I would be willing to bet that it's it's Corpusallo, but uh, we'll see how things shake out. We'll uh, we'll get into the lineups here uh, for both teams. Uh, shout out to Oilers Access for actually uh, digging that up and, and um, getting those all updated. So the Edmonton Oilers go as follows. Um, just also shout out to the Edmonton Oilers, the first team along with Seattle this year to be the first team since the 95-96 Devils to have 12 forwards with double-digit goals. Like, <laughs> speaking of that that offensive monster... Man, what um, happened to us not having depth? That's that's yeah, all no shit, say. hey. <laughs> I it's funny. I saw a clip with uh, uh, Jackie Redmond, 
uh, and she was talking, I think it was Tom Gazzola's podcast, but she was just saying how like McDavid casts such a shadow on the Edmonton Oilers to be like, oh yeah, like when you think of the Oilers, you just think of Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl even. She's like, people outside of the Edmonton market need to take a step back and realize this has been the best team in the NHL since January 11th. Well, I think it's something people haven't considered. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned like people just see McDavid, they see Dreisaitl and don't think about anything else. Cause I was scrolling through Twitter and I think it was the NHL.com post where they said like Edmonton versus LA is the first round matchup. Like 90% of the comments were like, we're taking LA like two man, two players can't win a playoff series, blah, blah, oh, blah. Shit. That's, that's all it was. And like, to be fair, I think in prior years, probably not last year, but before that, you probably could have got away with saying that, and a lot of people would mm-hmm. agree with you. But if you say that this year, you're just not paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, jumping into the lineups, the Edmonton Oilers roll as follows. Uh, RNH, McDavid, Hyman, uh, Kane, Dreisaitl, Yams. We got Fogel, McLeod, Ryan, Costin, Bukestad, and Yanmark. Uh, pretty much status quo. Uh, I really, really love that bottom line of Costin, Bukestad, and Yanmark. Those two or those three like gel together really well. I find, especially over the last like ten games, I I just love that grouping. With that being said, I'd like to issue a public apology to Matthias Yanmark for all of the shit I gave him for the first half of the season, because he has turned I'm... into one of my favorite players on the team. Yeah, I think I'm guilty of that. So I will I will jump on that apology as well and, and sign off because I think I was pretty critical of him. Kind of wondering, like, where does this guy fit into the lineup? I think it was more like when he was playing with McDavid and stuff like that, but he has found a niche and he is doing it well. Well, you just need to adjust to a new lineup. And, like, to be fair, I don't think we were really considering that and we were kind of shitting on the whole team in the first half of the year particularly yeah. the bottom six for not contributing. And then they found their game. They found some chemistry. They, the six guys who were playing down there all got comfortable playing together and it's really shown. Yeah. Uh, before we leave him, um, the, uh, the question that's going around the internet, and I, I hate it, but it's always, who's going to be the Fernando Pisani of this year's team. Um, I, I think it's Yanmark. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't put it past him to be able to do that. But personally, I've put it on Ryan McLeod. But everybody knows that I am obsessed <laughs> with Ryan McLeod. So, of course, you did. I would like, love to see it though. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to. He has all the skills yeah. and the tools. He just needs to get the puck luck to go. And yeah, I think he could easily score ten goals in a deep playoff run. Yeah, definitely. Okay, taking a look at the back end, uh, we have Ekholm, Bouchard, Nurse, Cece, Kulak, and DeHarnay. Obviously, if that's the thorough in six, uh, currently scratched off the off that uh, grouping is Broberg. But uh, we'll see what ends up happening, how they roll the lines. Um, obviously, you have Skinner and Campbell together. But uh, just just for comparison, looking at last year when we rolled this out, this was the six that we went with. Kulak, CeCe, Keith, Bouchard, Russell, and Barry. I think that's going to make me puke, for one. But also, that's one thing that nobody is considering. Like, they keep comparing the additions between LA and Edmonton. But, like, a healthy dry sidle and a healthy nurse is going to make a world of difference for this team and for this series. And people need to show some respect to nurse playing at a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. Um, taking a look over at the Kings side of things, uh, their their forward group is as follows: Byfield, Kopitar, Kempe. They have Moore, Dano, Arvidsson, Iafalo, Lazat, and Kaliev, Grenstrom, Kapari, and McEwen. Of course, that's not including uh, Kevin Fiala, who's going to magically be healthy for game one, just like Mark Stone in Vegas. <laughs> I'm sure he will be, and Gabe Velarde as well. They are both sitting, oh, that's I believe, right. on yeah. injured reserve at the moment, but I don't be surprised to see them activated. But from what I was reading based off of some LA fans who are more up-to-date on LA stuff, is that they don't believe that either of those two players is likely at 100%, and they will probably be, mm. probably be coming more between 70 to 80%. So don't expect them to come back as world beaters, but they are both talented enough to make a huge difference for LA. Definitely. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Like, uh, what capacity are they going to join the team in? Um, that third line for the Kings is actually one that kind of scares me. If Fallo, Lazat, and Kaliev, um, that's a really solid third line for that team. Well, one thing that LA does not lack is that middle six kind of like, I'm not going to say league average, but just middle six wingers who can play anywhere in the lineup. Like you mix in Kempe, Trevor Moore, Iafalo, Kaliev, like those guys are all probably between second, if not like a high end third line wingers. So yeah. they have a like a gross amount of just talented wingers on that team. And it's something that we need to be probably aware of when we're rolling lines and rolling our D pairings is that you can't take a shift off against this team because they have a lot of depth themselves. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Shifts off are going to be noticeable for sure. Um, Looking at the back end, Mikey Anderson, uh, Drew Doughty, they've got Gavrikov, uh, Roy, Roy or Wah. I, I always I believe it's I, Roy. Yeah. Dursey and Walker. Um oddly enough, I'm not too too worried. The, I mean Gavrikov being Gavrikov is uh the the biggest concern for me. I think Drew Doughty's at the point in his career where yes, it's Drew Doughty. Yes, you can't take away the accolades that he has. I think he's starting to like come down from the peak of his his career. I don't see him as the threat that he used to be. And we've seen McDavid walk him on like several occasions. I don't know if that's just me. I think I do agree with you that Dowdy's probably more on the decline of his career. He's certainly not at the at his peak anymore, but he's not a terrible defenseman by any stretch of the imagination. He's just not worth $10 million. With that being yeah. said, I don't even think that necessarily his defensive play is the reason that we should be concerned about Doughty. It's a combination of his leadership skills and the experience that he has and his ability to help that young defense core like handle adversity, which he wasn't able to do mm -hmm. last year. And then as well as he is an absolute piece of shit guy on the <laughs> ice and he will drive this Oilers team fucking bananas. And I can see him yes. getting under Evander Kane specifically skin because people like to try and get under Evander Kane skin. And yeah. I can see something happening with that specifically. And maybe Doughty being a, like just a fuck for McDavid and Drysaddle to deal with the whole time because he's playing with Mikey Anderson. And I almost guarantee that Anderson will be matched up against one of those top uh, two guys all the time. Yeah. It's funny. You brought up the kind of under the skin stuff and then transition to Mikey Anderson. We're already starting to see like stuff brewing with obviously the history with Leon Drysaddle last year. Um, and then the McDavid hit on 
uh, Anderson in on the April 4th game. Like things are starting to build up and we haven't even like dropped the puck on game one. I'm I'm concerned about getting out of this series healthy. Yeah, that's that's a and good point. I'm not going to say anything like along the lines of any of these L.A. players are going to t- intentionally take runs at anybody. But I imagine that this is going to be a chippy as fuck series. People are going to be slashing and cross-checking and all that little fucking shit that's just going to drive guys up the wall. And it can really add up after a while. You get slashed in the same leg a bazillion times, like your fucking leg's going to be bruised to shit and you're going to lose your fucking mind. Yeah, like if you look at the entire Western Conference uh, playoff bracket, like if you you look in terms of grittiness and like kind of chippy teams, LA's got to be number one there like i would put dallas probably second um more so because jamie ben's a a piece of shit to play against he's he's a pain in the ass um but uh yeah like this is uh, that's a great point i never even thought of that because like if you want to take a step back and look at this like sean if we're gonna march to the stanley cup we're likely gonna have to go through la vegas colorado and boston like yeah, that's that's a, that's a that's long a... series to play against all those teams. Exactly, especially if you're not at a hundred percent. So that that's a great point. Well, to be fair, I don't think we are struggling. To be fair, I'm not a hundred percent certain with any injuries yeah. on this team. I believe I read on Twitter just before this that uh, Yamamoto did take a puck to the face and the like oh, f- nose area, but I think he's okay. I think he had to get off to like get off the ice to go get looked at, but I never saw an update on whether or not he was 100% okay yet. Huh. Yeah, that's that's one to keep tabs on. Um speaking of chippiness though, you know what's kind of nice is not having to deal with that fucking rat fuck Brendan Lemieux this year. That is true. I'm very happy that he ended up getting traded. Like uh I would argue that LA is a lot more of a skill team than they were last season, that's for sure based off of mm-hmm. some of the additions that they've brought in and some of the subtractions like Lemieux, like you mentioned. And yeah. I think it kind of supports the fact that Edmonton actually outhit LA this year, which does not sound like something you would hear, like say, for example, five years ago, LA should be number one in the league in hits every year. Um, yeah. With, yeah. With some of those guys gone, like was, was Dustin Brown still around last year? Like, I can't remember. I, can't I remember feel like he retired. Like, in the regular season. Well, he so would I don't have know if played out the yeah. playoffs, but I think he announced yeah. his retirement, but I do not remember. Unfortunately, I'm going to yeah. look that up while we move on, but it's something to consider <laughs> too, is that Edmonton, especially with guys like Deharnay, um, they are mm-hmm. a lot bigger and I think scarier than they were in previous seasons. And we could potentially impose our will on this LA team. Yes, absolutely. I, I think we could definitely lead the physicality in this series. Um, and, and if you look at the game, like like on April 4th, like they kind of did. Um, so. So just for um, reference, Dustin Brown was playing last year. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like they had like a retirement ceremony or something like in the regular season, but obviously it's because you don't want to go on a, a send off on a elimination game. Yeah. I'm sure they but, had the old handshakes and stuff like that during the regular season and then just play out the playoffs as is. Yeah, totally. Um, last piece that I've just got on here and everyone can rest assured that uh, Stuart Skinner's stash is not going anywhere. 
that, that was a very important question. Probably the best question Mark Spector's asked all year. Uh, but just making sure uh, he's he's gonna trim it up, and make sure that it, it rides for a long a long summer. So I think uh, the vibes are set there. I always I always find that the playoff beard stuff fascinating. I don't know why. I just like to see which players can grow monstrous beards, but they always clean shave, so you didn't know it. And then other players <laughs> yeah. that can't grow a fucking thing. Um, I don't know if you remember back in two thousand and six, but uh, uh, Michael Pekka, he he would shave because he could grow like a full beard in like a day and a half. He would shave like every like five games, and it like it ate me up inside. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? It, He's just, just like, I need yeah. to do it. I can't not do it. <laughs> uh, too funny. Uh, we were gonna, we were contemplating whether or not to recap the season, but with everything going on, like, let's save that for the summer. We've got, there, there's just been so much going on with this series. Uh, we'll have, well, I, I'm sure we'll appreciate it more uh, in the summer when you sit back and take a look and just see everything that's happened. Um, so with that being said, just want to dive in some other stuff that's been going on. Uh, the Oilers announcing is today hey, about Deneen uh, signing to a one-year uh, two-way contract. I don't even know if we've mentioned, but we're recording this Sunday. It should be out Monday morning just in time for the game. But anyways, um, yeah, this uh, this guy came over in the Nick uh, Bukestad trade. Correct. Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm, uh, I'm interested in this signing. I would hope that uh, he sticks around down in Bakersfield, as we probably have a bit of a hole in terms of defensemen down there. Um, I was going to say, yeah, it looks like he's been fairly productive. I haven't kept up with the Bakersfield Condors too much. Um, speaking of which, actually, like moving on from mm. me, like that's cool. Signed a contract. Good yeah. to see. We'll we'll talk about him maybe in the offseason and what the future holds with some of these young defensemen in our decor. But speaking of Bakersfield, which players are they going to call up as their like, uh, quote unquote, black aces for the playoffs? Yeah, that's what I was kind of hoping to find today. I was searching all all around, but uh, um, I would be willing to bet that uh, you're gonna obviously have Dylan Holloway come up for sure. What's the status? I was as I was putting together like notes of everything that's gone on. Where the fuck has Tyler Benson been? That is a good question. I haven't heard much of anything about him this year, which is a little disappointing as he had such a great camp and then a not so great start of the season. But yeah, yeah, I don't remember hearing too much about him looking just at statistics this year. He's only played 43 games down in Bakersfield as opposed to the full, I believe, 72 game season they play. So mm -hmm. it's possible that he's struggling with injuries at the moment, which would not surprise me based off of his track record. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. I was just like, what the, f what the fuck? I thought this was supposed to be the, the year that he takes a step forward, but uh, evidently not. Uh, I would think, uh, back to that question, I think you definitely would lean on a Jason Demers um, for the back end uh, to be called up. Yeah. What about Nima Linen? Nima Linen will definitely get called up. I think he, unfortunately, he's under Broberg in terms of uh, call ups, in terms, or sorry, when just guys who are going to actually play. But mm -hmm. um, do you know if Bakersfield actually made the playoffs this year? I I don't actually. That's a that's a great question. <laughs> it's probably something I should know, but maybe it's a. 
you know, if anybody's listening to this and they're like, why the fuck don't you guys know more about Bakersfield? Let us know if you're actually interested in like talking about the Condors in yeah. general. And yeah. like, we can definitely like follow them a little bit more closely. Personally, I don't follow them too much just because like it's, it's a lot of time out of the day just to follow the Oilers in general. But I've always been <laughs> curious about following them more closely. I, I'm betting that they didn't uh, make playoffs. They had a 37 and 31 record. So um, lowest I'm, point total they've had in a bit. I'm reading right here from 10 days ago. Bakersfield Condors clinched a berth in the Calder Cup playoffs with a 3-0 victory over the Colorado Well, Eagles. fuck me, Greg. Jeez. Way okay. to go, well, Jesus. There you go. That's a great question to ask, though. I like. I, I wonder if that's something I should pay more attention to. Well, it's something to note because the only reason why I'm curious is I don't think any of these guys are going to get called up until they're eliminated from the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Or um, we have one, troubles, one or the other. One thing I wanted to ask you is, I don't know if I've been trying to also find the status of this, but where is Ryan Murray at with a potential return? If I'm not mistaken, he was out for the season when they announced his injury. Okay. I believe yeah, it was too I, serious, so they uh, just shut him down for the um, entire year. And people are thinking that I, I, trying to remember now, but I thought I heard rumors that his career might be over because of it, if it was that bad. But um, yeah, I cannot, for the life of me, recall exactly what's going on with that. But it's been far too yeah. long for him to be on there, so I am, I am fairly concerned about his actual status. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm like, this is why we got to do more research beforehand. Just three days ago, his update is he was loaned to Bakersfield on a conditioning assignment on Thursday. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, well, and to be fair, there has not been a single update on Ryan Murray since January 17th, and they just issued one three days ago. (laughs) Okay, there you go. It's timely, eh? Very timely. It looks like uh, they're probably he will be one of our depth D men on the back end to bring in a veteran presence. If there's any sort of issues with probably Broberg, for example, stepping in if we have an injury in the top six defenseman. Yeah, yeah. Nice to have that that veteran uh, presence as well. For sure. um, okay, two things I I kind of want to see in the playoffs. Maybe I'll open it up for discussion. So. You can add your two thoughts in here. First off, the wave. I saw it again. Um, Oddly enough, I saw it in a Blue Jays game, and I'm like, for fuck's sakes, will this thing just die already? Um, I understand I'm an old grump, but if we're going to do it, can we please do it when it's 7-0? Like, there's got to be a rule. Like, if if there's not a three-goal gap, do not do the wave. Yeah, I would argue that a three-goal minimum should be, like, like this is obviously an unwritten rule of sports in yeah. general, but for hockey specifically, it should be like your team needs to be slaughtering them. It should be three goal minimum, if not more, because I've seen too many three goal leads been blown in his in NHL history. So imagine just being that guy at the Toronto Boston game all those years ago, trying to do the wave when they're up four to one. You don't want to oh. be that guy. Well, like, I'm a Red Sox fan and every like middle eight, they always sing sweet Caroline, whether they're like in a two, one game or a fucking, they're getting blown out the doors off 10, nothing. Like we don't need to have these like shticks going on. Like, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm too serious about how I watch hockey, but <laughs> well, personally, if I'm at a game and the wave starts, yeah. 
I'm going to be like Ugh in the first place because I don't fucking love the wave. But if it's a close game or we're losing, I'm definitely not participating in the slightest. But if I've had a few drinks, we're up like a few goals and I'm like, ah, I could do the fucking wave. Like, I'll probably do the wave. That's too funny. Okay, so that's that's number one. Uh, number two is, can we please, please bring back the goalie chants that we used to have in the early 2000s? Those are my favorite things in the world. Remember those like Edmonton Journal foam sticks that they used to hand out to fans? And it used to look like you're pointing like the, the Belford chants are a piece of my childhood. Like, this is like the old, like, you take your arm and you're like, Bell for, yeah. Bell yeah, Exactly. As much as I want that to be a thing, it'll be probably hard to do it with Corpusalo because that's a few too many syllables. Oh, fuck. I never thought of that. Corpusalo, Corpusalo. I guess you'd have to go Jonas, right? Oh, Jonas. Know. That's true. Jonas works, but. Uh... <laughs> I don't I don't trust enough of the fans in the in the stands to know what his first name is. Yeah, that's fair. There's, I'm sure people listening to this are be like, Greg, you just said the waves like stupid. Why the fuck are you adding another gimmick? So I, I can see how I'm kind of coming off here uh, hypocritical. But I'm just happy that we don't um, have to deal with Nashville in the playoffs this year, and their ten thousand chance that they do, they are cool, <laughs> but fuck, they get old and annoying after a while. Yes, 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 very true. Um, jumping around the league, uh, the first thing, I mean. Here I go again, like contradicting everything I just fucking said, but I love the whiteout. I think it's so cool to see. I don't mind it. That's a, that's about all I could say is like, yeah, I, sure, I, yeah. I love to see people wearing like the correct jerseys in the crowd and stuff. But um, yeah, like in, in Winnipeg, it makes sense. Like they do that. But at the same time, if you're wearing a home jersey, you're pretty much like, oh, why are you wearing that? You got to wear the white. It's like, no, I want to wear this three hundred dollar home jersey that I bought. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You come to the game and it's like, take it off and put on a twenty dollar t shirt we just gave you. Well, um, at least in like yeah. Calgary, for example, they have the sea of red or whatever, and right. their away jerseys at least have some red on them. Like the home mm -hmm. jerseys for the Jets, I don't believe they actually have any predominant things of white. Like there's no white on the shoulders or anything like that, besides maybe a stripe or two. So right. Like, that would kind of annoy me. Like, say you went to a an Oilers game and you're wearing like a, one of their jerseys or something, like the old uh, like oil drop ones that yeah. don't have any orange on them. They're like, oh, we're doing sea of orange this year, so you just get like yes. shit talked for not wearing orange or something like that. Like, just go to the game, cheer fucking loud, and enjoy the game. Like, yes, the whiteout is cool, but at the same time, I'd be fucking annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a great counterpoint. That's I can't, especially if you're going to drop money like that on a jersey. Yeah, I'm not going to put on a t-shirt. Um, it's funny you bring up Calgary because holy shit, I have never LOL'd out loud so fucking much when I was watching those like exit interviews. I, did you see any of them? I believe I watched a clip from the Jonathan Huberto one, but I cannot for the life of me remember it now off the top of my head. So there is a couple of them. Um they were talking to Backland about like whether or not he's going to be coming back to Calgary. He's like, yeah, we have a great group group here, like stuff like that. He says, but I'm 34 and I'd like to win a cup. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> it's like, okay. And then they had uh, Lindholm with them as well, who basically said the same thing. It was like noncommittal. Um, they asked, uh, uh, 
what the hell's the Zadorov? Um, I forgot his name. Um, what he like the thing he's learned out like the most about uh, uh, himself during the season. And his response is like, I need to get a bottle of vodka in me before I can answer that question. And then they fucking Mackenzie Weger. They asked him what it was like coming to the rink to be with the guys. And his like first comment out of the, his mouth is like, well, I think we should get a new rink, huh? Like just they don't fucking want to be there, man. Well, I do feel for guys like Backland and uh, now Lindholm, who have been there for a while, especially Backland because he's been there for a long time, where they watch this team pretty much go on a like a huge high into last year, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all these like young guys that they brought in who were supposed to be the cores of the team, that guys like Backland and Lindholm that would they would support that core and be like mm-hmm. like Lindholm for example would be the nuge to Calgary, and then all of a sudden, like, everybody just leaves. And they're like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? And you bring in a guy like Huberto who struggles. And, like, I feel for Huberto. Don't get me wrong. I felt really bad during his inter- exit interviews because they kept asking him, like, these hard questions where it's just like, why did you play so poorly? And it's just like, <laughs> well, how was he supposed to answer that, honestly? Yeah, what do you say? Like, uh, it's just, it was gross to hear. And I do feel for some of those players. Um. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Backlund. Like he still has, he's still on contract into next season. So is Lindholm. But I would not be surprised to see them either a request a trade next season, especially at the trade deadline, to some sort of team that's actually contending, or even just walk in free agency if they don't trade them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, speaking of coming to the rink, the other note I just had is uh, Pittsburgh missing playoffs for the first time in 16 years it's crazy to think that they've been uh they've been part of the the picture for that long but um i don't want to lose the stock because i didn't include it but the bo horvat shit in new york like that response on that on ice interview was wild and for those of you who don't like uh uh don't know what i'm talking about they he was being interviewed on the ice and uh the the on ice reporter or whatever was just asking him what's it like coming to this rink and he said he loves it the fans are crazy and he decided somewhere in his brain that he should say it's a hell of a lot better than uh being in vancouver i'll tell you that for free that is some harsh shit i think that was more of a heat of the moment thing that slipped out and i would target that more toward management and ownership than the fans themselves because let's be honest vancouver fans are some of the most passionate fans about their team they love their team they don't have much else going on out there so they just fucking live and die canucks and Mm -hmm. with that to be fair comes with a lot of uh negative like media attention on these players and i don't think horvat was one of those players though to be fair so I give him a pass on that, and he did come out and apologize for that comment and kind of said yeah. it was a heat of the moment, like, my bad kind of moment. But, yeah, mm. you don't want to be caught saying shit like that. Like, if McDavid or something eventually left and said something like that, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Right, right. Um, I listened to uh, Missing Curfew. Uh, I think those guys have a great banter back and forth. But Shane O'Brien obviously had his his years in Vancouver. Um he, if you get a chance to go listen to it, he absolutely tears Bo Horvat apart. He's like basically just talks about how 
I understand that you're upset with management, but that came off as like taking a shot at the fans, like you mentioned, Sean. Um, but he's like, these fans are not going to forget. Like the apology means nothing to them. And he's like, you got to remember, you were the captain of this fucking team. And the entire time you were here, like the team didn't do shit. That falls on your shoulders. And just absolutely tore him apart for like five minutes. It was, it was wild. I mean, like, um, I get tearing into him a little bit because you have to, like, watch what you say. Um, I have two somewhat counterpoints to that. One being that I would say Bo, Bo Horvat was far from the problem in Vancouver. He was one yeah. of the few players who was playing super well at the beginning of the year. And to be fair, they did kind of get their shit together later in the year. And Elias Pettersson had a career year, so good for him. But, um, oh, man, don't tell me I lost my other point. Oh, I lost my other point. <laughs> damn it <laughs> i hate when that shit happens well if it comes back to you we'll, we'll circle back but i figure we'd uh we'd wrap up the episode here uh just ripping through some predictions uh we're not gonna get into the edmonton series unless you want to um but i figure we'd just go around the horn and uh see what your what your picks are for i guess this round of the bracket um right. okay sean colorado seattle well, I think it's pretty safe to go with Colorado. I I do not believe in the goaltending of Seattle in the slightest. Um, I would not be surprised to see this one be a sweep, but I would probably say Colorado in five. Yeah, I I'll full admission. Um, in my degenerate gambling, I needed something to to be kind of the underdog pick. I did have Seattle. But I think the rational part of my brain is starting to kick in and be like, yeah, I don't think Seattle goes in four or five. I think it's going to be a six or seven series, though. Well, um, I, I respect that. I, I would argue that this series is probably the most one-sided series in the entire league. Outside of maybe yeah, Boston that's... and Florida, because Boston's Boston. Yeah, that, I think that's fair. Um, I, I would counter the Boston-Florida series. Florida's on a bit of a tear lately so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how those two teams shake out uh but before we had their dallas minnesota we got i well like i feel like most of these outside of one of them that i know already know i want to talk about afterwards is like i will take the favorite which would be dallas this will be a close series yeah. i would say like dallas and six but i've seen what ottinger can do um i know what robertson and hints and the revitalized corpse of jamie ben have been able to do this year. So yeah, I, I could see them beating Minnesota and I just, I just don't see it any other way, honestly. Yeah. I have Dallas and five. I think it's another first round exit for Minnesota. I'm kind of with you too. Like looking at the, down the, the, we can rip through them then uh, Vegas, Winnipeg. I've got Vegas in probably five. I, I actually have Vegas in six only because I think Hellebuck can steal series. Winnipeg is the That's one team that we were going to potentially play that I did not want to play because I yes. am afraid of a good goalie. Yes, yes. Um, it's funny. We put up a uh, a poll and uh, our buddy Carter Potts uh, responded and he was saying how uh, he's like, I, I don't want to play Winnipeg be or the only team that he wanted to play was Seattle because like we just find a way to run into goalies that goalie us. And it's such a good point because Every it seems like every time we run into like a goaltender that's had one decent year, um, decides to be a Vesna Trophy winner in that game. So yeah, I'm 
I'm kind of nervous. Even Corpus Allo is still like, we'll see. Well, like I mentioned, um, Corpus Allo has that potential to be a theory stealing goalie. So I'm really hoping that that is in his past and he doesn't channel his his prior seasons. But it's something to consider. And I think our offense could outscore whatever he can bring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay. Toronto, Tampa Bay. I'm, I'm going to probably take Toronto. Uh, I'm, uh, on, I'm only taking Toronto because I do want to see them get past the first round, but only for one reason. And that's to see them get slaughtered in the second round to Boston. You just rather them get beat up by a different team. That's too funny. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think I honestly I think it's time Toronto like makes it past this. I I I say seven, they'll beat uh, Tampa, but yeah, I don't see a, a lengthy run, especially with them running into Boston. Well, this Again, is definitely the seven game series I see. Like out of all of the series, this is the one I would argue mm-hmm. is the closest, next to maybe the last one we talk about. Um, yeah, but it would be pretty cathartic for Toronto to win the first round, get past Tampa. And then if they manage to beat Boston in the second round, like imagine the catharsis that is Ooh. for the Maple Leafs and their fans to pretty much Ooh. kill two of their demons in two separate rounds. That's a good point. Ooh, like, interesting. I don't, I don't want to see it happen because I don't yeah. like Toronto, <laughs> yeah. but like it would be pretty cool to see. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> um, Boston, Florida. I got Boston and and five. Yeah, but this is like next to the Colorado series. This one I could see as a sweep as well, um, only mm. because I don't really trust any of the goaltenders in Florida at the moment. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Florida steal a game at home or something like that. So, yeah, we'll say, we'll say in five as well. I agree with that. Uh, Rangers, Devils. This is the other series I was talking about that I believe is yes. one of the closest because I am... Mm. Not a diehard Devils fan, but I am certainly a Devils fan, and I think they are a fantastic <laughs> team this year. But you, it's hard to bet against a goalie like Igor Shosturkin. I really like what he brings as well, but I would, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take the somewhat homerish pick and take uh, New Jersey, but it'll be in seven. There's no way this series doesn't go seven. Yeah. As someone who doesn't have a horse in the race, um, I have the Devils also advancing too. I think it's going to be seven as well. Um, I, I agree. I think, honestly, in my eyes, I think this is going to be the tightest se- series outside of uh, Edmonton, LA. That being said, uh, the final one, we have the Islanders and the Hurricanes doing battle. I I don't see a way that the Hurricanes get out of this round just because of how banged up they are. I, I just, I don't see it. Uh, see, so this, I, have the Islanders I, in I agree. I agree, and I wish you didn't agree with me because I wanted to oh. have have fun and argue with you. But I pick the Islanders as well because I cannot. Yeah. I've talked about goalies in these series, and you cannot deny, deny Ilya Sorokin. And no, missing Pacioretty, missing Svechnikov for Carolina. Like I just don't see how they're going to score. Yep, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It sucks to not have a a point to to disagree with or argue with, but it's just. They're too banged up, and the the Islanders' net is just rock solid. So, that being said, 
we head into game one and game two. Uh, we'll join you after game two. But Edmonton, get fucking ready. It's playoff season. I love seeing all the cars. I love seeing all the flags and shit. Let's get loud. Let's fucking get it. 